0: When the angels first announced the birth of Jesus, and I know angels, but just bear with me. But when the angels first announced the birth of Jesus, they also announced something almost as difficult to believe as angels. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Peace on earth? I mean, it's 2000 years later and we look around and we don't see a lot of peace on earth. But what if this peace is more than just Maybe some empty promise to keep us happy during the holidays. What if true, real peace is actually attainable and is closer than we might actually think? It is. When we discover the peace of Jesus, we discover peace with our entire story. So, let's talk about it together. Why don't we experience peace in our lives? Well, I think Charles Dickens had it right. To experience true peace, we have to make peace with our past, present, and future. See, if we don't have peace with the events and and the people that got us to where we are right now, if, if the past keeps raising its ugly head in our now, if we constantly dwell on the bad that happened to us, or maybe dwell on what should have been, we'll never experience true peace. And if we're not at peace now with the people around us, and even with who we are will never experience true peace in our lives. And if we're always looking to the future and worried about what ifs and worried about tomorrow and, and focusing on what could happen, we'll never have, if we never have peace with our future, we'll never have peace now. So we're going to take the next three episodes and talk about how to have real peace first with our past and our present and our future. But first we have to make sure we're on the same page and that we're talking about the same thing when we say the word peace. So when I say peace, what comes to mind maybe the absence of war the absence of conflict the absence of of struggle and arguing we usually see peace as the absence of something negative in our lives we say you know if only this situation or or this person or this problem would go away then i would finally have peace but think about it what would happen if they actually went away you know something else would just come back e- come right back in and cause us more chaos and more and more conflict something would take its place there's always problems and situations and people stealing our peace but when the angels announced peace on earth the greek word they that we have there in luke that's been translated into english as peace it comes from a a hebrew word with a lot deeper and and richer meaning than our word peace it's a word you might you might know in fact the city i live in is named after it, Salem, the word, the Hebrew word is shalom. Shalom in it's Greek equivalent that is translated as peace in our English Bibles means so much more, it's, it's, it's deeper than the absence of something negative of the absence of war or conflict or arguing. No, shalom means completeness, wholeness, the way things ought to be. So what the angels were announcing wasn't the end of all conflict and wars, though that will come when true shalom comes. What they were announcing was that God was bringing wholeness and completeness and the way things ought to be for his beloved children, humanity. That through the baby that was just born, God is making it possible for us to experience true shalom, true peace. The peace of God isn't the absence of something. It's the wholeness of his people. But when we think about our past, it's difficult to see how we can experience this shalom and this peace because like our past has already happened. There's, there's things we've done, the hurts we've caused others, the hurts we've caused ourselves, the hurts that's been done to us, the, the missed opportunities that if only I just would have, that the things that could have been that now aren't, all of that brings its own clinging uh, feelings of either shame or guilt. Or regret that can keep us keep dragging us away from experience experiencing life the way it's supposed to be, experiencing the wholeness we were made to have. So how do we find that wholeness? How do we find that completeness? How do we find real shalom and peace in our lives? Well, the answer is actually found in what we the second letter we have from the Apostle Paul that he wrote to a group of Jesus followers in the ancient big city of, of Corinth. And most of the people in that community were were Gentiles who had grown up in this large Roman city and and the culture and the lifestyle that, that, that came with that, meaning like idol worship often including, like, temple prostitution. Uh, And they grew up in, it's an honor-shame society, meaning, like, what you do either will honor the family or shame the family. So there's some huge family expectations. Have you ever experienced family expectations? Uh, They lived in a culture where might makes right. And so if you had the power, if you had the money or the social standing, you could do whatever you wanted to anyone without, really, consequences as long as they were lower than you. And most people were lower than, uh, like, Women and, and children and slaves, basically, no rights. So, there's a lot of like past hurts going on in this community, a lot of abuse. And living in that time and culture, there must have been a lot of, you know, ghosts of Christmas past that they had to deal with. But in this letter, Paul shows a remarkable truth and, and a path forward for us in having true peace and shalom with our past. And whether your past haunts you because of something you've done, or something that's been done to you, or whether there's opportunities that you feel you've missed, or maybe, it's it, you know, for most of us, it's all of the above. We'll discover an invitation to everyone, no matter who you are, what you've done, what's been done to you, no matter what your past is, and whether you consider yourself religious or not. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Jesus invites us to become something other than our past. See, what, we, what you did doesn't have to be who you are. What was done to you doesn't have to be who you are. What you didn't do doesn't have to be who you are. What you could have been, what, what you could have done doesn't have to haunt you anymore. With Jesus, the old is gone and the new is here. You don't have to be the person that's chained to that past anymore. The weight and the load that you've been carrying can be cut off and you can be free to... Breathe and stand and dance and run and jump. Our past no longer has any power to create the chaos and the disorder and the turmoil in us because we are fundamentally remade. If anyone belongs to Jesus, he takes who they are and the, the broken pieces and all the junk that we've collected in our hearts throughout the years and we are fundamentally remade. He shapes and molds us into who we were created to be in the first place. Other translations, you say, uh, we're new creations. We're made new, a, a whole new, complete person who can experience real peace and real shalom through Jesus. We can be more us than we've ever been. I know, like that sounds great, you know, like oh, Jesus will make everything better. But how does that actually happen? How does that work? I mean, you're smart. You know you need more than just, you know, some, some happy platitudes coming from me. You know you need more than positive thinking and, and motivational posters and, and TED Talks and podcasts. Like, we need more than just telling ourselves over and over that, well, my past doesn't define me. We can't just declare it, right? We can't just, like, declare bankruptcy and it automatically happens. We can't just declare our past doesn't control us and it automatically happens. And, and just saying, I believe in God, that doesn't help with our past either. None of it actually changes our past or, or takes away the memories and the regrets and the pain. What we need is something we can't give ourselves. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Paul's talking about his role in being an apostle, bringing people back to God. But he says all of this is a gift from God. And see, this is the difference between anything else maybe you've tried to do to make peace with your past. This is the difference between that and... And what Jesus offers, what Jesus offers is becoming new. See, experiencing real peace is a gift from God. We can't earn our way to it by trying to do enough good and putting enough good out into the world to, to balance out the bad that we've put out in the world. We can't discover it by, by studying hard and meditating more and, and listening to more spiritual podcasts, or reading more spiritual books. It's not. We can't even catch it by uh, getting more church and more religion. See, we don't have to clean ourselves up. We don't have to make ourselves worthy to receive it. It is a gift from God that we just have to accept. We don't have to do anything different to become new. But once we are new, we are different. And then what we do is now different. So what is this gift? What is it? So we, we can't give it ourselves. It's a gift. But what is it? What has the power to break the chains of our past? Forgiveness. have broken in so many ways. See, in the beginning was chaos. And out of that chaos, God created perfect order. And when he created that perfect order, he created his most prized possession. Us, his children, created in his own image. And he created us to live in a perfect relationship of love with him and with each other and partnering with him to bring order into the chaos of the world around us. But a force that the biblical writings call Sin is constantly trying to pull us out of that order and push us back into the chaos of the world. And throughout our lives, we repeatedly give in to the chaos by breaking God's law of love, of of hurting each other, and therefore hurting God because we are his, his kids. We are hurting God's children. And we put what we want in front of the person right in front of us. And to end this chaos, what would God have to do to end all this hurt and this pain? God would have to end those who keep creating it us, his, his beloved children. So God found a solution. Jesus, 100% God, 100% human, took that sin and its consequences on himself on the cross, and he made the power of sin die with him on the cross. But then he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, proving he is more powerful than sin and its ultimate consequence death and he gave he rose to new life giving us a chance to have new life through him see now he offers us his life and a place in his family where we can become new creations where we can become the the agents of Shalom that we are created to be he is the one who has the power to remove the stain and the and the chains of our past he is the one who can wash us clean and, and make us new and all of it all this reconciliation this new life, is a free gift that he offers all of us. And the more we experience his forgiveness, the more we experience life in that forgiveness, the more we become like him, and the less power our past has over us. Jesus's love is greater than anything in our past. And as we continue to experience Jesus's love, we begin to see that those missed opportunities really are the things that allowed us to get to the point where we are now where we can experience his true love and shalom we will begin to see that the pain caused by others in our past, were they were results of their brokenness, of of their enslavement to sin, of their uncompleteness. We begin to release them from our past and, and allow Jesus's forgiveness to heal our hearts towards them. And now I know, and probably have to pause here. I know that it might seem easy for me just to just to say these things like, oh yeah, forgiveness, you know, will help heal your past. Because I know some of you watching this, some of you listening to this, have suffered truly deep pain. You've experienced pain that I can't imagine through no fault of your own. And, you know, happy-go-lucky me sitting behind this desk saying things that, you know, they, they might sound naive or worse, it might sound callous and uncaring and, you know, there's another guy just trying to give happy little quotes to, like, answer real, deep hurts. And I'll be honest, I I haven't suffered as you have. That's not been my story, so I can't share from my experience of, of deep hurt. But I can share what I've seen and experienced from others. See, experiencing the love and forgiveness of Jesus, it doesn't change. Obviously, it doesn't change what happened in our past. It doesn't answer every question of, why did this happen? But... I've seen mothers who have lost children. I've seen children who have lost parents. I've seen widows and widowers. I've seen victims of physical and emotional abuse, victims of neglect, people abandoned by spouses, or or people stabbed in the back by their friends when they needed them the most. I've seen all these people experience the love and forgiveness of Jesus. I've seen how it can transform them from, from victim to beloved children who are able to love and forgive at the deepest levels. Because of the love and forgiveness they have experienced from their Heavenly Father. One, I think, a very famous example is a guy named Horatio Spafford, who actually exactly 150 years ago wrote a song that we call It Is Well. It's called a hymn now because it's an old church song. It Is Well. He wrote it as he was sailing across the ocean near the same spot where his daughter's ship had sunk, and all four of his daughters had drowned without him. And this is what he wrote because he had experienced the love and forgiveness of Jesus. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, O the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. For me, be it Christ, be it Christ hence to live. If Jordan above me shall roll, no pang shall be mine, for in death, as in life, Thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. And often this peace and this forgiveness doesn't make sense until we are actually in it and experience the love of Jesus carrying us and remaking us. See, in Jesus, we are defined by God's love for us, not our past. But we have to be willing. We, we have to be open to it. And, and there are some steps we can, we can take to help us on this journey of discovery, of, of making peace with our past. See, we don't find peace with our past by, you know, trying to forget it or, or ignore it or, or justify it or minimize it. We need Jesus to help us make peace with our past. We can't have peace now if we don't have peace with them. And it starts with being honest with ourselves and with Jesus. So first, address your past. Say, like, be honest, this hurt me or I hurt them. It wasn't right. This wasn't right. This wasn't fair. And you're right. You're correct. Say this, whatever happened, whatever happened to me, whatever I did, it was, it was brokenness and it was sin. And then ask what brokenness is too strong for Jesus's love? Like what hurt is too much for the love of Jesus to heal? What brokenness did Jesus forget to die for on the cross? And then accept your new identity. Maybe even write this down if you need to. I am not my past. I'm a beloved child of God, whom he chose to live, die, and rise again for. The journey of peace with our past, it's rarely overnight. So don't expect like, oh, I I said these things and and now I'm good to go. No, it it takes time. It takes practice. It might even be incredibly helpful to sit down with a a professionally trained counselor or therapist to help sort out your feelings, sort out your experiences, sort out your past and and why it hurts you. Help guide you through through techniques to, to process what has happened. And in that, in getting that help with someone else, Jesus will be with you, guiding you, guiding your, your memories, guiding your your thoughts, and giving you peace as you work through all of it. See, on the first Christmas, the the angels announced peace on earth. And that was no metaphor, and that was no wishful thinking. It was a proclamation that God's shalom, God's wholeness was coming for each of us. That through the baby born to Mary and Joseph and lying in a manger, we can all be made complete and whole humans. In Jesus, we're no longer defined by our pasts. We're defined by God's love for us. And when we're defined by God's love for us, we discover God's perfect shalom, his peace, his wholeness, his completeness. And he invites us not to ignore our pasts or, or minimalize them, but to stare our pasts right in their ugly faces with confidence, with strength, with courage, with peace, and with forgiveness. Because we know the love of Jesus is stronger than anything in our past. And we are invited to experience true, full life now as we make peace with our past. When we discover the peace of Jesus, we discover peace with our entire story. Thanks for watching this week's content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. Uh, thanks for joining us on this journey through Mark, the story of Jesus. Uh, there'll be lots of content for you available online, YouTube, and the podcast. But also don't forget, we meet in person on Sundays at 4.30 in South Salem at 525 Idlewood Drive. So find out more on our website, yourcrosscreek.com. And we're just really glad to see you here online. Uh, Send us your information via the welcome form. Say hello, uh, request a Bible, request prayer, or join a small group. Uh, It's all online there for you, and we'll see you next week.